Simon Lincoln Reed is with us uh, with his political insights. Man, it's uh, just over a month ago that we last spoke, Simon, and so much has happened. Brexit, let's start there. We're going to be talking also about the South African election a little later. But uh, first off with Brexit, anti-Semitism, Corbyn uh, seeming to lose a little bit of, of, of heft. We've had this, a few people walking out of the Labour Party, a couple, I think it was three, walking out of the Conservative Party. What's going on? Well, that's a good question, Alec. You know, the first deal, if you can recall, of November last year was quite rightly regarded as a turd fished out of a latrine, given a bit of polish. Now, the second uh, deal, which Mrs. May presented uh, last week and was again funded, um, was nothing more than the same turd, but this time rolled in a little bit of glitter. The deal this week is going to be the same thing. This one is encrusted with rhinestones, apparently. So the reason why it is such a shitty deal, there are three parts to it. It's the backstop, it's the uh, small print of the political declaration, and the transition period. Now, you couple those three things together, you'll see that what you end up with is basically a case of Equatorial Guinea applying for EU membership. The EU saying, oh, you know what, we can't do it because you're on a different continent, but we'll give you the uh, bits and pieces, um, but we'll take everything you've got. That will be the position uh, the, Europe, uh, the United Kingdom will be in were Mrs. May's deal to be accepted this week. It's literally a vassal state. Is it possible that it will be accepted? In other words, that real politic coming to play here? Uh, now, look, let's go back. Where is the problem here? It's not in the constituencies. In the EU referendum of 2016, 406 versus 242 voted to leave. The same with the voting areas, 263 voted to leave as opposed to 119. Uh, and, and parties too, Labour voted 148 to leave, Tory voted 247 to leave. But MPs, this is critical here, 248 MPs voted to leave and 400 voted to remain. That's where the, the majority margin exists in the House of Commons. And that's why this is such a, a, a difficult thing to, to, to force through. The only thing that's, that, that is notable this week um, is that the DUP, which are the Conservatives Coalition Partners, are being offered more money to vote to uh, for Mrs. May's deal. Other than that, I, it's just the same old story, given a new coat of paint. It's a bad deal, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know the people that I know who who who, who understand exactly what is happening um, are, are are rightly supportive of those of those voting against it. Now, the latest edition of the Economist has got a fantastic front cover. Where it's uh, it, it's got Britannia and sure. and it says, "Oh, star star UK." If the Economist is saying, "Come on, UK, you've really messed this up," and they ask, "What next?" If most of the people in Parliament are Remainers, as you've just explained, and yet the those who put them there are Leavers, where to now? So just well, just just outline it for us. I mean, what's likely so, to happen next? Oh, look, Alec, you know, I, I, I will not pre try and predict because it's, it's very clear that no one actually knows what is going on and what is going to happen. I think the question needs to be slightly reframed. How is Britain, 
whatever the case, if there is an agreement to Mrs. May's uh, deal, if there is the uh, submission to WTO trade terms, which is the default no-deal position, these things, some of them can happen. Okay, there's, there's a possibility that, that, that we might have a deal and that we might have no deal. How is Britain going to resolve the issue of such a divided political fabric, such a poisonous political environment as a result of that? You know, in the old days, you had things like wars and they could sort of serve as some national interest for a sense of unity. Unfortunately, that's not how things are done today. How is Britain going, once something has been reached, whatever it is, how is it going to become unified again? I think that is the critical question that, uh, that, that, that people should start asking over and beyond uh, what happens now. You know, I'm sure things will fall into place, whatever the situation, but what, what won't, what's not guaranteed to, is the division. The division has caused so much upset. It's um, about anywheres versus somewheres, the north versus south, the sort of masses, the unwashed versus the liberal metropolitan elites. These are, are, are critical features of a, of a, of a society. Um, and I have never, ever witnessed such division as you do now. Mm. What about the whole anti-Semitism row within the Labour Party? Well, this is a, uh, something that I've been studying since last year when a very popular former Labour MP called Luciana Berger arrived at the Autumn Labour Conference surrounded by bodyguards. Now, anti-Semitism had been a feature, but it was one of these issues that had been slightly concealed by the emphasis upon Brexit. Now, Luciana is a very popular uh, Liverpool waver tree. Um, uh, she's, she's personable um, and she's very, she's very proud of her religion and she's very proud of her community. The fact that she had to arrive with bodyguards, people started looking up and going, hang on a second. And subsequently, they went deeper into uh, um, in, uh, specifically Jeremy Corbyn's history to find instances where he had voiced support for groups that do not believe Israel has a right to exist. And that has uh, accelerated somewhat. And we've seen some horrendous exposure as to uh, those close to Jeremy Corbyn and his grassroots support in Labour, which is this group Momentum. Um, and it was obviously one of the reasons why Luciana Berger decided to quit the Labour Party and stand with the independent group a few weeks ago. Um, I have spoken to a number of Jewish people. I live in a, a, a partially Jewish area of North London, and there are um, a, a bigger concentrations neighbouring us. But um, in, in, in my um, area, I, a lot of the Jewish um, members of the community have said to me that this whole movement within Labour this whole anti-Semitism um, and, and the people uh, who are uh, you know, supporting um, the case for Israel uh, to be destroyed or, or not to exist um, has very strong roots in an event that occurred in South Africa in 2001, which was the awful United Nations Conference on Racism. Now, I don't know if you recall, but the United States and Israel, uh, it was held in Durban and the United States and Israel both got up and stormed out because 
one of the um uh, what you know th- th- they wanted to describe zionism as a racism uh, worse than the uh, apartheid uh, on black people in south africa now um accompanying this conference you saw peripheral marches through the streets in which banners were uh, 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 displayed with the words death to israel written on them and the jewish people i've spoken to in north london Uh, tell me that that was the first time that they saw such brazen hatred, such brazen anti-Semitism since the Holocaust um, allowed to flourish unpoliced. But Simon, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, yeah? Simon, sorry. Uh, Just as as an aside, there's been quite a lot of kickback on this and saying being anti-Israel doesn't mean being being an anti-Semite. How do you read that? No, that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. Those same people are the same people who are trying to draw this false equivalence between Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is a hatred of Israel and a hatred of Jews. Um, Islamophobic yeah, can mean anything you want it to mean. The same people that say that no, uh, it's we standing up for the rights of Palestinians is not the same as uh, as as hating Jewish people are the, 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 it's it's a very cunning trick but i assure you alec that if you look into those the advocates of that theory you'll see all sorts of funny little pieces the worst example is chris williamson who's been rec- who's a, a the labor mp for for derby who's recently been suspended from the party he's a big one on that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, anti-Semitism when we say we, we don't res- we, uh, Israel doesn't respect the rights of Palestinians. Mm. It's nonsense. It's a, it's a false flag. Um, and I would warn anyone who is uh, partial to that that it, it's, it's actually uh, very, very um, mischievous. So where's Jeremy Corbyn on all of this? Um, probably watering his allotments. In, you know, it's an amazing thing, Alec, that... Uh, such a a peculiar position that he's taken. Uh, He can only be sort of four points behind. Uh, The fact is that, and and that's a poor indictment on the Conservative Party. Corbyn is, uh, now he's vacillating between um, a a second referendum, despite his uh, documented uh, suspicion and, frankly, loathing of Brussels, He's doing anything. He's kind of coming across as being this reasonable statesman, uh, willing to. The fact is, Jeremy Corbyn um, has sided with uh, the, the, the groups such as Hamas and Hezbollah. He has a, a, a visceral loathing for everything British. It's a colonial past, which I suppose is understandable. Um, he's got a, a visceral loathing for the city and capitalism. Um, and anyone who's thinking, well, you know, he's appearing slightly reasonable through this Brexit uncertainty um, is, is making a very, very dangerous mistake. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell and their supporters, including Diane Abbott in the Labour Party, when, uh, you know, they have declared in the past that were they to come to power, they would create an irreversible climate in Britain that goes against everything people assume Britain stands for, all its, um, um, all its accomplishments um, and its national identity, ranging from immigration, uh, uh, ranging from the state ownership. It, it, it's a very, I would be very careful in, in taking Jeremy Corbyn seriously 
as, as, as tempting as it must be, given the uncertainty and the, quite frankly, pathetic performance from the Conservatives. So lots of fractures in British society. What about South Africa, going back home now, where the ANC have got some very dubious fellows and ladies on their list uh, Uh, to go to Parliament? Uh, The elders of the ANC have come out to say uh, these individuals, Melusi Gigaba, David Maklobo, uh, Mokunyani, and so on, should be taking... Uh, their own consciences into account because they will certainly, surely, they would be harming the party if those if they remain on the list. Yeah, I've, it's always a very depressing, at, you know, before the ANC announces its election list because it always happens, doesn't it? They have, and it's always the same excuse. They claim that the grassroots have chosen these candidates. They came from branches and so on. And you know, I'd like to know what goes on in these branches that sort of inspires someone to choose. Faith Mutambi as a candidate. Uh, You couldn't be more checkered. You could not be more uh, bent. uh, And yet she finds herself uh, on this list. Um, That's one aspect of it. But secondly, Alec, is the dismissive confrontational tone that Aish Magashule takes to the media when he tries to explain this and he falls back upon the principle of uh, sort of innocent until proven guilty uh, which is very standard in, in, in the ANC and all very well when you know how to take some advantage of a somewhat laborious judicial system. Do you think um, this, this could be a, a, a blunder that I think uh, absolutely. causes, I mean, causes yeah. many who would have voted for them to, to not and hence uh, the ANC perhaps only scraping in with a small majority over 50% or perhaps not even? Yeah, I, I would hope so, Alec. At some point... Something has to give. The ANC has always been incredibly poor to police itself. It's never believed in the prospect in 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 the um, in self discipline uh, as it claims to. And I hope it's this time. I really do. And you know, I, I would have I probably wouldn't have said that if you had more candidates with the qualities of someone like Mabuso and Simang. But you know, they're very few and far between in, in today's ANC. Um, but I, I, you've asked the question. Absolutely. I hope that they are severely punished for this extremely um, poor demonstration of judgment. It does seem strange. Uh, if you are leading, then you have to have principles and uh, apply those principles and not say, well, certain people in the branches, despite all the evidence, are still wanting to elect people who've been named in various of the commissions of inquiry as, as being, well, lying under oath as a starting point and, and uh, being named as, as being corrupted. Uh, so it, 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 the whole thing sounds really strange. Do you, think, do you think the ANC elders, though, by coming out with a strong statement as they have to uh, suggest to those people that they step back and, and in the interests of the party, do you think they're going to be heard? Well, that's an interesting question, but I fear it's more of the same. The ANC elders did were, were considerably more vocal toward the end of Jacob Zuma's. And let's face it, and you have to be honest when you're faced with a list by this, the majority of people that we find abhorrent on that list all share Jacob Zuma's worldview. Uh, and it is a very strange, slightly uh, ahistorical, a little bit entitled, uh, we're doing things differently and they might be illegal sometimes because it's all in the name of liberation, economic liberation. Um, 
I, I, I would have hoped that in the, in, in the time up until now that Saul Ramaphosa has been at the head of the administration, he would have done more to rubbish those theories that were so popular um, in the Zuma era. Um, but I don't think he's done enough. And, that, and that's why the, they're there. There hasn't been enough emphasis upon the behavior of people like Faith Mutambi, the behavior of people like David Maflobo, Malusi Gagava, Nombulo Mokunyane. They have, uh, you know, despite a little bit of a few revelations during the Zondo Commission, they have largely escaped um, any sanction up until now. So, you know, had Cyril Ramaphosa been more forthright when he assumed the presidency, had he um, sort of stood up and said, well, actually, I know a hell of a lot of MPs and, and, and cabinet ministers that, that, that are, are, you know, that have demonstrated some really quite criminal judgment um, and I want nothing to do with them. That, I think, would have made a more of a, an impact. But, you know, maybe it happens after the election. I don't know. All, all I do is that it's a, it's, it's a really a terrifying um, prospect for South Africa's leading party to, uh, to, to, to forward candidates of such moral um, uh, questionability. Mm. A brand new party has been launched, uh, the Capitalist Party of South Africa. It was launched at the Rand Club yesterday. Kenton Pillay, one of the co-founders, said they did it at the Rand Club because the Rand Club wouldn't have allowed any of them or many of them to go into it in the past. Very strong uh, opinions. Uh, they've got a purple cow as their logo. Do you think they got any chance sure. of, of getting people into Parliament? Is that the same Kenton Pillay from ETV? It's the very um, same. I, I, yeah, Princeton University yeah. Uh, educated. Yeah, I, I think that there's some... There, but, yeah, I... It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it much time. You know, a gun was a gun. Remember, in 2014, was the last of these sort of newcomers uh, launched uh, early, um, sort of toward the election, um, and that got uh, less seats than you could fill in a stadium, <laughs> less votes than you could fill in Newland Stadium. So you must be careful with these things. I don't think people really, I don't know why they do this, to be honest with you, Alec, because, uh, it, well, I, I suppose I do, that, that the leaders of the smaller parties are so unreasonable and, and so that, that there's no cohesion. What the ANC needs more than anything else is a unified opposition, a coalition of, of, um, of, of parties willing to, to you know, tackle the issues such as those on the sort of candidate sheet. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if, if, if it's when you said that to me, uh, I think about this other little party, the sweet little party in Cape Town, um, which is the uh, his name is King Cornelius. I'm not sure what they call the party itself. But it's like the Khoisan party. OK. And they're basically going, um, OK, well, you know, we are the rightful owners of the Western Cape and we want it removed from the rest of the country. And so every single member of parliament has 48 hours to leave. And if they want to stay longer, they can apply to me. I would support him more than I would support any new sort of other party, because I think that that's a little bit funny. That's just something new, you know. Well, <laughs> it is uh, election time. Um, my sense of this is if you want to retain your sanity, is just to, to stay away from anything to do with politics. But. It's uh, it's a highly politicized society. I was in South Africa the last four days, and uh, wow, it has been 
uh, with the load shedding on top of it and the election yeah. coming, there's everybody's talking. Everyone's got an opinion. Uh, but uh, sure. I, I think the, the big story there is the outrage at Faith Mazabuka. Yeah, maybe we should just ban all women called Faith from joining the ANC <laughs> or subject them to sort of psychoanalytical tests. Faith Ma- Mazabuka, uh, the, the, the sense is that she's just lost the ANC, the Gauteng province. Um, because she hasn't right, even been right. censured, or certainly not properly censured by Makura. Uh, you know, that, Alex, that's the don't feeling. Forget, don't forget, she also comes from a stable that, uh, uh, is, you know, Kwadani Mutlangu was the was the last sort of controversial figure, along with Brian Plongwa. I mean, these people, what are we doing? It's just a, a, a you know, I, I, I really, if the ANC is um, uh, impacts badly after, after these elections, I hope that it will look upon that, those. That, it doesn't have to, you know, necessarily be just the candidates on its uh, election sheet, uh, but at, at, at sort of the managerial implementation execution level um, is where things are going wrong with people like Faith Majibuko, with Kwedani Mflangu. Um And you can only hope that Cyril Ramaphosa is going to take that very seriously.